It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. My guest today is Daniel Barber, Vice President of Revenue at Node, N-O-D-E. Now, for anyone who's been reading about sales recently, there's been a sort of tsunami, if you will, of, in air quotes here, account-based categories or uh, yeah, monikers are the same that are hitting sales, account-based marketing, account-based selling, and so on. And the focus you know, certainly is necessary and worthwhile, but in some respects, it's not really anything new. I mean, I started my career many years ago doing account-based selling or what is now called account-based selling. We did account-based marketing, but sort of fell out of fashion, like all good, all good things and what's old is new again. But what's really new are the tools that can help make your account-based marketing, your account-based selling much more effective and efficient than it was in the past. And Node is one of those companies that have introduced tools to help sellers in the account-based world. My guest today, Daniel Barber, VP of Revenue at Node, is here to talk about what they're doing to help boost sales productivity. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, I uh, definitely appreciate the intro and uh, look forward to diving in uh, around how the, there's a paradigm shift in the market. And um, yeah, definitely, definitely appreciate the intro. Sure. So take a minute, introduce yourself. So how'd you get your start in sales? Yeah, so uh, I, I've had an unusual path to the lovely city of San Francisco um, through a couple of different venues. Um, so I originally grew up in Australia uh, and uh, moved to the United States, uh, you know, to sort of partake in my tertiary education and then uh, spent some time in the Netherlands uh, and in Germany and then actually completed my MBA in Japan. Um, yeah. I started to uh, work Working your way Easter all the time. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. And so I uh, completed my MBA in Japan and ended up working for a Japanese company um, who moved me to San Francisco to lead their business operations uh, for the U.S. business, um, which that role was was sort of my uh, first formal forte into running a business but also sort of running a sales organization. Um, and so running a $110 million business uh, for the Japanese company. Which, which uh, firm? Uh, so a company called Ishida. Um, they do weighing and packaging equipment, so not something that many of uh, the listeners may be familiar with, but um, you know, billion dollars in revenue, uh, so not a, not a small organization by any means, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just not in an area that are you know it's generally uh, familiar to folks. So uh, you know, courtesy of that, I uh, I was attracted to technology and the firms that existed in San Francisco, um, and moved to a company called Responsus in 2012. Um, you know, many of you may be familiar with the acquisition of Responsus at the end of 2013. Um, so I joined Responsus uh, sort of in the growth stage between 80 and 200 million um, and left the organization with a global team across, um, you know, several locations. And, uh, you know, we exited just over $200 million with an acquisition through Oracle of uh, $1.5 billion. Um, simultaneously, I became um, an advisor to uh, a small company called Taudat um, mm-hmm. in 2013 uh, with the founder of TK. And so after the acquisition of Oracle, um, I joined uh, as a very early employee um, at Taudat um, and worked there to build out a sales organization that in 2014 
Um, I helped raise our Series B through Andreessen Horowitz and grew our revenue 300% in 2014. Um, expanded that in 2015 and then uh, began to interact with um, Fallon Fatimi, who is the CEO and founder uh, at Node. Um, so I joined as an advisor in uh, the end of 2015 and joined formally uh, not too long ago in uh, towards the end of uh, January. So you're tracing out an interesting career path that for people who are listening that probably think, okay, every time he goes and joins a place as an advisor, he ends up working there. <laughs> I think uh, I think there's definitely a, a theme. Um, you know, I think it's it's great when you can get exposed to a company and understand how the business operates and the problem that they're solving. Um, and for me personally, I, I love solving problems. And um, when there's a problem that's that's big enough, and um, you know that there are enough people. Uh, faced with this problem on a daily basis, that's something that I want to be a part of. Excellent. Okay. Well, so let's let's talk about account-based intelligence, which is the stake in the ground put in, the, or the stake that Node put in the ground. Um, as I said in my open, there's I think we're sort of in this midst of this. And I have air quotes around the word account-based arms race. You know, start account-based marketing, account-based selling. At the Topo conference uh, recently, talk about account-based everything. So uh, you're jumping into the sort of account-based pool with a product that focuses on account-based intelligence. So what, what is account-based intelligence? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think you're, you're spot on. Um, you know, Craig Rosenberg and I, um, so Craig is at, at Topo there. Um, you know, he and I are very aligned that um, in reality, um, everything is account-based, right? Um, so if you, you think about, um, the traditional enterprise sellers of decades ago, um, you know, things things haven't changed a lot for them. They've always had a, an account-based model. They've always had a set of companies that they're contacting. Um, technology has just allowed that um, sort of set of companies to expand to organizations that are selling in the mid-market and SMB space. Um, so essentially move down market to mid-market and, and SMB. Um, and then that's led to this proliferation of sort of um, specialization of account-based, which you described. So this accounts-based marketing and accounts-based sales development and accounts-based sales. Um, but in reality, the foundation of the house, if you will, um, you know, is built on, uh, on data, right? And so um, the, the organization, whether it's sales or marketing, needs to intelligently think about how they can source their customer data and find the right accounts with the right people at the right time and deliver the right message. Um, and that sort of stream um, requires, um, you know, an intelligent organization and data at the core of that organization. So I would sort of suggest that accounts-based intelligence underpins every other, you know, accounts-based piece within the, the function of sales and marketing. Okay. I mean, you you had a, a line there, which you know we could translate to be sort of the holy grail of sales, right? You know, the right talking to the right customers at the right time with the right message. Uh, so how are you? How are, lots of people have talked about that in the past. So you talk about a paradigm shift in terms of how you're handling that. What's what is that paradigm shift, and and how's this actually going to work for sellers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think. You're 100% right. Um, you know, the, the organization I formerly worked for, uh, Responsus, 
Um, we, we used very similar terminology of trying to find the right customer at the right time with the right message. Um, that, that relationship marketing, which is something that I've been involved with for, um, you know, coming up seven years here, um, is, is an area that, um, you know, for the B2C organizations, so companies that are, you know, serving organizations that are, uh, sorry, serving consumers, um, that area of marketing has, has sort of led the way. Um, and now B2B organizations are starting to follow suit. Um, and so the thing is, though, if you really break it down, it's, it's, it's really quite a difficult problem to solve in the business-to-business sort of world. And the reason why is because that information is not readily available on the internet. Um, it, it is from a standpoint if, if you know where to find it, which is why in reality it's actually uh, more of a search problem than it is a data problem. And what I mean by that is if, you, um, you know, if you're looking for a technology platform to solve a problem and you put that information into the search box, um, that's really too late, right? So if you were looking for someone uh, to solve a problem for you and you go to the search box, you probably developed that problem and come to the realization that you have that problem and then that's why you actually use Google search. Um, but by that point, it's already too late. You already know that that's a problem and you've formed some type of opinion of the type of company you would like to have solved that problem. Well, uh, so, so who's it too late for? The seller. Correct. Exactly. So, you know, there are individuals looking for your platform. So for the sellers on this, this podcast, there are people looking for your platform or your technology or your widget all day, every day. Um, and the, the downside is that it's, it's a struggle as a B2B salesperson to try to find those individuals. Um, because in reality, you don't know when they're looking to solve the problem that you can solve. Um, so it, at its core, it's a search problem. Um, and that's why you know, I, I joined a team of people that are ex-Google engineers that um, worked on areas around search um, and spent, spent a year building this platform. Um, and and that's, that's why in, at its fundamental level, it's a search problem, not just a data problem. Yeah, so... It's really turning the tables. I mean, if we look at it from a B to C standpoint, and even B to B to some perspective, some degree, excuse me, is that consumers are searching for solutions for particular problems that they might have or achieve certain objectives, business to business somewhat. But what you're saying is we're going to really sort of turn that on its head and say, now we're going to empower salespeople with the ability to search for people who are searching for them. Correct. Correct. And so this, this sort of uh, movement towards predictive and the term predictive in itself, um, you know, in reality that doesn't serve a lot of purpose um, for B2B because um, if you think about organizations, especially organizations that are in enterprise sales, they may actually engage with and create less than 100 customers on an annualized basis. Um, and so really, um, you know, the idea of predictive is, is generally flawed. Um, you know, statistically speaking, it's very hard to create predictive models when you have less than, you know, less than 100 successes um, over the course of a year. So, um, you know, thinking about it more as a, uh, a search problem, so providing a prescriptive method for uh, recommending the right individuals, the right accounts, when is the right time? Um, that's information that's very powerful to sales and marketing organizations. 
Um, and that's the model that you know we're we're seeing as this paradigm shift. So, yeah, I'm just sort of thinking through yeah how how you are doing this. Well, I would presume that part of what you're doing is is much like we see in sort of bits and pieces. People have solutions for tracking a customer's digital footprint through social media. You've got companies like Datanize that provide data about technology adoption and and uh, relinquishment, if you will, in terms of contract expiration and so on. So is what you're doing is sort of incorporating all those data points and more than to be able to say, okay, yeah, you can correlate individuals to certain actions and certain markets and then relate it to the salesperson? Yeah, that's 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 kind of uh, kind of the direction. I would say that you know what you described in terms of technology profilers. Um, you know, broadly speaking, what we've seen is what you can kind of describe as data aggregation, right? So, um, you know, there are companies out there that will sell a list of names or a list of companies or a list of technologies or a set of phone numbers um, or you know a set of email addresses. And really, for a business, this is um, an obstacle course of trying to find, um, you know, the right mismatch, um, hodgepodge of technology point solutions um, to, you know, find a seamless way of actually just solving a simple question, which is who is the next customer, right? If you're a business, really all you want to do is just work out who's your next customer. Um, And so, um, you know, consolidating those, but not just providing more information because that in itself is not actually powerful, rather creating and distilling the context um, for the individual salesperson so that they actually know what to say um, to those right individuals at the right company at the right time. That's the part that's powerful rather than just creating more information because that alone is it does not create customers. Okay, so that's, that's what you're solving with Node. Exactly. So I'm sure people are curious, as am I. So how are you making that happen? Yeah, so you know the the in, the, in broad the, terms, yeah. yeah. We don't have an NDA sign, so you know, just uh, what you what you tell a customer. Yeah, so you know the 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 platform that we've built, um, we spent the last year building. Um, we have a team of um, ex Google engineers that were focused on search. Um, you know, we have uh, an amazing um, sort of backing from investors, um, like Mark Cuban, NEA, Canon partners, Avalon, B partners, um, helping us and sort of driving, um, a greater vision of a platform that does, uh, sorry, a platform that serves as a sales analyst, if you will, um, to serve up the right accounts, the right people, the right time and the right message. Um, and so that information becomes native in Salesforce for, um, the sales rep, and so that becomes the tactical execution of the broader objectives set by the executive team, um, you know, in sales and marketing. Okay, you sort of danced around it a little bit. I, I, I tried my best there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so we'll we'll deal with sort of the the fact of of uh, what the sales reps will will have at the end of the day. So, but we're going to do that. We're going to take a quick break first and we'll come back and we'll talk about that in terms of account-based intelligence and how Node is going to help really the dream of what I call the dream of personalization maybe actually become true uh, when it comes to sort of uh, sales development, selling, and so on. So anyway, I'll be back with my guest, Daniel Parberg, uh, VP of Revenue at Node in just a second. Hi, this is Andy. 
Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. All right, we're back, and uh, with my guest today, Daniel Barber from Node. We're talking about their new account-based intelligence tool. So do you have a name for this tool? Uh, yeah, so it's it's the Node Sales Analyst, um, and it's a uh, platform for sales and marketing organizations to find their next customer. And this is a SaaS-based service? Yes, yep. We have a, a subscription platform that... Uh, you know, we're an ISV partner of Salesforce, and so um, working very closely with Salesforce, um, you know, to serve up um, native information that you know people can run reports on, and um, you know, power the information and in turn the context for the everyday sales rep to close more deals. So, how do you uh, correlate what you do with the list? You know, somebody's got a list, right? So, uh, how's how's your Data meshing with that. Uh, in what sense of a list? So, um, well, you, if you have a sales development team, they have a list of people that account lists that they're they're calling, they're responsible for. Ah, yeah. So, so really, what we we sort of you know start with is building what what's being termed this sort of ideal customer profile, right? So, this term has existed um, for the last couple of years, and I've I've written a couple of posts, um, one with Max Altschuler. Uh, Mattermark's blog, actually talking about you know how do you find what your ideal customer profile is, and how do you define what your total addressable market is? And so the first step um, in sort of our engagement with someone is you know really let's look at what your ideal customer profile looks like. And so the Node platform um, will analyze the existing customers um, as well as looking at the addressable web. So. You know, it's very nice to provide a mirror uh, for someone to say, okay, um, you know, this is what your customers look like, contact more of these. Um, that's great, but it's, you know, also more powerful to serve up who's your next customer. So everyone knows roughly what their customer looks like today, but what their customer looks like tomorrow um, is a very powerful conversation. And so we base the, the, the sort of model around um, your ideal customer profile and what that looks like over the evolution of, um, you know the the company and the product that you're trying to sell. But what are the data points that dictate whether they are next? Yeah, so you know we look at a few different factors. One being um, the geography of where a company is is based. Um, another one being, of course, industry. And so those two. Um, well, geog- geography in relation to your your office, you the the seller's office, or geography in relation to what? Um, so geography in relation to the growth of revenue in a particular location. Um, and so what I mean by that is if you think about the degrees of separation between individuals, um, if you're seeing a spike in interest in a particular area and you're seeing more deals closed in that area or an increased win rate in that area, um, that's usually a telltale sign that um, there are individuals communicating um, through word of mouth or some other forum um, in that particular location. And so 
um, you know, increasing the likelihood of success there, um, that'll actually happen if you focus your efforts both from a marketing and sales side in a particular location. Common, common theory, um, you know, Jeffrey Moore sort of talked about it um, in, in Crossing the Chasm, but, um, you know, applying that from a technology landscape um, means that it becomes actionable for the sales rep and the executive team. So geography, industry, same sort of theory, and, you know, of course, looking at different verticals within a particular industry. And then lastly, using um, technologies that have been installed and technologies that are used um, as a proxy for determining the right time um, to engage with an organization. And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so, you know, there are a few different things that you can look at with technology. Um, you can look at competitive technologies, obviously, to the product you're trying to sell, or complementary technologies. And so, um, you know, looking at both becomes very meaningful because in an organization's um, development, they generally invest across multiple departments. And so as multiple departments invest in different technology solutions, um, they're solving um, a problem that's really defined in the maturity of that segment. Um, so what do I mean by that? I mean, that's been carved out across different areas that are a little bit more developed. So if you look at marketing automation as one example, um, you know, you have HubSpot serving the SMB segment. You have Pardot serving the SMB to mid-market segment. You have Marketo serving the mid-market segment. And then you have, um, you know, Eloqua serving the enterprise segment. And generally, every organization has that same um, sort of method of selecting the right technology provider based on their development as an organization. Um, so you can look for um, those uh, companies as proxies to define the deal size that you potentially may close with companies that are using those technologies. And it sounds like you use uh, some some assumption about what are allied technologies. Yes, exactly. So we can we can infer based on and again I presume similar to like you had a category for company. What's the category for companies like Datanize that you used? Uh, so you mean technology profilers? Technology profilers, right. So yeah. you use some broader range perhaps of technology profilers or your own to say, okay, this is what's happening in adjacent space that oftentimes indicate a future investment in this space that we're serving. Exactly, exactly. And so how's that presented to the sales rep? So that information and all of the analysis that um, you know, goes into that um, is presented to the executive team and you know we, we sort of uh, align on the, the focus of the organization and then how that's powered for the sales rep, it's native within Salesforce. So what that means is you know you can run reports on that information, but it's also just exposed on every record. So if you're looking at an account, there's a prioritization of that account based on what I just described as well as um, you know in, in a fashion that you could mention that on a phone call or, you know, embed it within an email um, simply because it is native. When you, but what are you embedding in the email? So the text of the company. So if you're referencing, let's say you're contacting companies that um, you've noticed if they use uh, Marketo, perhaps, um, you know, Marketo is a good proxy for you, then as a company, you could mention that, you know, let's say 30% of our customers use Marketo. Um, so that mm -hmm. information, you could embed that into uh, a template, you know, using Tautap or using Outreach or using Yesware. Um, and so any, any type of email or 
dialing platform, that information could be served up for the sales rep, um, you know, in a fashion that suits them. And then what about subsequent calls? And what are you doing in that regard in terms of helping them with, again, right messaging at the right time versus purely on, you know, top of the funnel type activities? Yeah. So the other thing that we found is that um, many sales organizations struggle to create relevance with their uh, future customers. Um, And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you're a company that has, you know, 200, 300, 500, 1,000 customers, all of the incoming sales reps are going to struggle to try to remember all of the different company names and, you know, where they're located and and so on. And so um, we have a proprietary algorithm that um, essentially uh, surfaces the right company to mention. So, you know, that in itself creating relevance through referencing a company that may be located in the same location as the individual you're calling or, um, you know, uh, a company that perhaps is in the same vertical. Um, so, you know, is in that technology profiler um, space, for example. Um, so that's information that's surfaced for the, uh, the account executive or the sales development rep, um, as well as the marketing team. And so, um, you know, the prioritization of the accounts is then also something that's uh, taken to the, into consideration based on that customer concentration. Right. And so back to sort of follow up the question I just asked, though. Is the, so clearly see the how the SDR, BDR would, would use this. So then once that account's transitioned to the account exec, let's say if we're in that, that particular type of sales model, what uh, what's the analyst doing for the account exec then as they start working through the remaining parts of the funnel? Yeah, good question. Um, so the other thing that we've noticed with sales organizations, and this was particularly um, evident with companies that we would talk to uh, at Tauda, um, was that, you know, this sort of concept of the single point of contact, single point of failure, um, whereby, you know, a lot of sales reps um, will start engaging with someone, perhaps it's a meeting that their SDR set up for them, um, and, you know, they're engaging with that individual, but they're not really speaking to anyone else in the organization. Um, there are a lot of data aggregators out there that will provide contact information, but there's none today that will proactively recommend the right contacts to reach out to. So what we do within uh, an account, we'll actually proactively recommend the right individuals based on um, the titles that have seen to be successful for the customers that, that are customers. And that's a one click uh, for an account executive to um, create that contact and begin a dialogue um, with that individual over email. Um, and so that's very powerful for account executive teams simply because it's it's pushing and recommending the right individual as opposed to, you know, an account executive is probably not going to search on LinkedIn or, you know, add the contact in Salesforce. Rather, they're going to continue to have a dialogue with the one person that's engaging. Um, so that's an area just as an example where, um, you know, Node provides value for um, the account executive team. Yeah, interesting. It, it, so, as I hear you talk about this, and as I extract little tidbits from you on this, is that it seems like, well, oftentimes in these types of environments, we have the you know great intelligence that starts coming out. Is that the weak link in the chain? Unfortunately, is still the sales rep. So you might provide. You know, this prodding, you may provide this messaging, but at that point, then things start getting lost in translation. So, what are you doing in terms of being able to help, you know, move, make this, you know, support this transition that we're seeing across, and certainly in account based selling, is really have to elevate the skills, the acumen, the expertise of the account execs to be able to deliver something of value to the, the buyer? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, uh, at its core, we're really not focused on the workflow. So once once someone's engaged around what the right messaging is, um, so, you know, how to continue that dialogue with someone in terms of emailing them or calling them, um, you know, that's that's not an area that we're focused on. Rather, I would say, you know, looking at the core level, it's providing the marketing and sales um, organization with those right accounts and the right individuals. So starting with data at sort of the core. Mm-hmm. The workflow, that's an area where, um, it, you know, it sounds like you've got a lot of familiarity there. It's definitely an area that um, is is ripe for consolidation. Um, you know, I think, you know, calling. Yeah, yeah, I, think that's an, I think that's an understatement, yeah. yeah. Um, there are an enormous number of um, platforms and point solutions that are focused on that area. Um, that's just not an area we're focused on today. Okay, cool. Well, very good. Well, thank you very much on that. We're going to move to the last segment of the show. Uh, I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. Yeah. And um, the first one is a hypothetical scenario. I pose that you, <laughs> actually you have been, you just, but not in the same scenario, but you're hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have slowed down quite a bit, starting to stall out, and you've been brought in by the board and by management to turn things around. So, to help this company get unstuck, what would be the two things you'd do the first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? Yeah, so um, number one, I would meet with every single person on the sales and marketing organization to better understand um, sort of their strengths, um, their weaknesses, and also their perspective on where the business stands today um, and how I can help them um, and sort of empower their growth um, because in reality, I'm only one person. So um, you know, striving to, to make sure they're successful in many respects is more important than looking at my own success. Um, so that would be number one. Um, number two would be um, actually diving into who are the customers. So connecting with the customer success team, also diving into the data around um, the companies that we have as customers. Um, because in reality, you know, uh, there's a lot of literature around firing customers. Um, I'd like to understand who are the, the customers that we should be focused on? So, you know, who are the companies that are paying us a, a lot of money or are very happy or renewed and so on? Um, and then also look at the companies that are perhaps not, not good customers, right? So um, understanding that would arm me with um, both, you know, the empowerment of the people that are, that are on the team as well as, um, you know, finding and surfacing those um, companies that, that are sort of meeting um, that criteria of an ideal customer. Okay, good answer. So some rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers or elaborate if you wish. And the first one is, when you, Daniel, are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Uh, I, would, I would summarize it in one word, and that is insight. Okay. Who's your sales role model? Uh, Mark Cranny from Andreessen Horowitz. What's one book that every salesperson should read? Give and Take by Adam Grant. What music's on your playlist right now? Uh-huh. That's a good question. It's on the Shuffle playlist. So, <laughs> um, I, I am a frequent shuffler on um, SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't give you the, 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 the last song that I listened to. Um, pretty, pretty broad array. Well, let's choose one song. If you had one song to listen to right now, what would it be? Um, M83 just came out with a great hit. They're a, a French band um, that I've followed for quite some time. 
Um, they just had a new hit called Go. M83. Okay. You got me on that one. I don't follow French bands. Okay. All right. Good. I'm going to have to look that one up, learn something new. All right. So last question for you is what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? Um, generally, it's uh, how do I find the, the next customer or how, what, what would you do to, to increase my win rate? And the answer is? Choose either one of those questions. There were two there, but yeah, I did give you two. Um, Choose one. Yeah, uh, use your time wisely and focus on customer. Uh, focus on conversations that will convert. All right, good. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for joining me. So, how can people find out more about you and Node? Yeah, so you can reach me on email. Uh, it's uh, Daniel at Node.io. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I have an unusual Twitter handle based on my um, time in Japan, which is Gaijin Dan, G-A-I-J-I-N Dan. Um, if you're curious, uh, it, it means a foreign person. Um, I was a foreign person in Japan, and I remain a foreign person. Oh, uh, yes. I, I lived there myself as well, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I was Gaijin as well. Yep, yep. So, um, yep, find me on Twitter. And then, of course, on LinkedIn, just, you know, Daniel Adnode. Well, great. Well, Daniel, thank you very much. Beautiful. Thanks, and remember, Dan. friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine. Whether it's on your commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting, you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Daniel Barber, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.